Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast. Uh, We're so glad to have you with us wherever it is that you're tuning in from. At Highway, we believe that as followers of Jesus, we are called to live as sent missionaries in our neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, and among the least of these, and that community plays a vital role in that. If you want to join us as we live into Jesus's greatest commandment to love God with our whole selves and to love our neighbors as ourselves, you can head over to highway.org and click engage in the upper right hand corner to connect with our different ministry areas or click connect to reach out to one of our pastors with a question or a prayer request. Whether you're here in the Bay Area or not, we'd love to connect with you. Well, we're talking about one of my favorite topics today. It's something that has such a profound impact on our lives, you know, speaks so loudly to the people around us about what Jesus kind of people are like, but can also be something challenging to live into. Uh, look, and honestly, a conversation that can easily go really sideways, you know, where obligation and guilt get used as motivators. Uh, look, which is so counterproductive to the invitation that I think God has for all of us throughout time and history to live a life of generosity. We've been in a series called Highway Volume 2, talking about this new thing that God is doing in and through us as a church community. And so we've laid some foundational pieces through what Jesus says is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We should start quizzing people on this. And so in Highway Volume 2, we want to be a community that is deeply connected to the Father and that pursues Jesus's mission in the world and embodies, not just speaks, but embodies the good news and to do those things purposefully together. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been starting to explore what that should look and feel like. You know, what kind of attributes or characteristics we should start to see in us, both individually and as a community, as we live into these things over time. That there is a character that God wants to form in us that flows from that deep connection with Him. And that's really how I want us to approach this conversation about generosity today. That this is a part of the character that God wants to form in us. That it's an internal posture and attitude that is then expressed through different kinds of action. See, I, I think sometimes we conflate the act of giving with the character of generosity instead of seeing it as an expression of generosity. And this is where uh, the conversation goes sideways so often is when we focus on the action over the attribute, you know, how or how much or when or where to give our time, our energy, our finances, and in doing so, miss the invitation that God has for us. You know, two weeks ago when we were talking about the Pharisees and, and how in all of their doing of the Jewish law, they missed what the law was supposed to do in them. You know, that for all of their actions, they missed the transformation. And what that reminds us of this morning is that we can be people who give, but who aren't generous. We can do the things and not have the character formed in us. We can give and not be generous. In Highway Volume 2, we want to be a generous community for the ways that we give to be rooted in a generous 
hard. And so today I want to lead us through a couple of passages to help flesh out what generosity means and then offer perhaps a different framework. That generosity in its best and healthiest form is the result of a deep spirituality and that it is beautifully expressed and empowered through community. As we get started this morning, would you pray with me? Hey God, I pray right now for anyone listening to this podcast, God, uh, that's had such a bad experience uh, with churches pressing them for what they can't give. God, God, I pray that you would relieve that burden. I got for everyone listening to this podcast who's hearing this word generosity and it feels like they don't have enough. Or, or the times when uh, generosity has been used to make people feel less than because of what they could or couldn't give. Jesus, I speak your peace and your love over them. God, would you give us a deep love for you? It comes from a deep trust in you so that we can open ourselves up to you. For you to work in us and form our hearts into hearts like yours. Would you make us a generous community? We love you. And we pray these things in and for your name. Amen. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you or accessible via mobile device, go ahead and turn or tap your way to Mark chapter 12. We'll be looking primarily at verses 41 to 44, but before we get there, I want to back us up a little bit, you know, just a few verses ahead of that to shade in some context for us. Because Jesus says some things here that I think we'll see connect with our core passages for today. Uh, So let's start together in Mark 12, verse 38, the preamble, if you will, uh, to what we'll encounter next. This is Mark 12, starting in verse 38. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. (laughs) Jesus is talking about the external action that's got no internal transformation. And Jesus gives just a searing critique here of a practice that was all too commonplace. To abuse the position of religious influence to extract money from vulnerable people for personal gain. And see, the assets a widow had at the time of her husband's death were all that she would have to live on for the rest of her life. And there were religious leaders taking advantage of that by offering personal blessings for profit. And see, we see Jesus' heart here to protect the vulnerable, in this case, the widows, to not see the resources they needed consumed, which sets an interesting stage for what happens next. Now, this is the very next verse, starting in verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Isn't that just such an interesting choice? I mean, to sit down right across from the money box and watch people, you know, but when we think about what Jesus was just talking about, you know, the show, the performance that wasn't rooted in anything real, I I imagine this is kind of like a giant object lesson for the disciples. 
and many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. If I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, uh, Jesus, uh, that's objectively not true. Unless what Jesus is talking about is something different than the amount that was given. Jesus continues on in verse 44. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. It's so easy to think about generosity in terms of the amount given. But what Jesus is getting at here is is that there's something different going on. There's something different happening through how this widow gives. And what this passage invites us to consider is that rather than being defined by an amount, uh, generosity is really an attitude, an attribute. Generosity is a posture. It's an internal condition of the heart that then directs our actions. And Jesus looks beyond the two coins to see the person, you know, to see her heart. Have you ever felt like you gave all you had, but it wasn't enough? You know, wished you could give what someone else could. And know that Jesus sees you this morning. See, when we get fixed on the amount, you know, what the standard is, you know, just tell me how much. I I don't want to submit this morning that we're doing it wrong. Uh, Because that starts to sound a little like the teacher of the law who knew what the greatest commandment was, uh, but then asked Jesus, you know, which neighbors he needed to love as himself. If we focus on just the amount, just on the action, what the standard should be so we can just do it, we miss the character that God wants to form in us. Let's let Jesus' words shape how we think about generosity. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The generosity isn't defined by an amount. Generosity is a posture. It's a part of our character. And generosity isn't connected to our wealth. It doesn't come out of our excess, but emerges out of all we have to live on. Generosity includes everything. Look, we sell what God wants to do in us and through us so short if we just think about generosity in terms of finances or limit it to areas of our lives where we feel like we have excess or wealth. When you think about Jesus's words, that this woman gave out of all she had to live on, what comes up for you? What are you living on that starts to feel scarce real quick? Because that's where generosity starts to get hard, isn't it? The reality is that for some of us, maybe finances aren't that scarce of a commodity. Maybe time is, though, or our focus, or attention, or our energy, or our emotional bandwidth. You know, when I think about how God demonstrates generosity, 
I think about the generosity of presence. Like for all the brokenness in us and the world, God didn't give us more resources. God came to us. God abides with us. The generosity of presence is a powerful thing, but it requires time and focus and attention and energy and emotional bandwidth. Areas of our lives where we may feel like we have to protect and conserve our resources. And when you think about Jesus's words that this woman gave out of all she had to live on, what comes up for you? If we limit giving just to the places in our lives, whatever they may be, where we're confident that we have enough already, we're missing the conversation that God wants to have with us about not just the act of giving, but having the character of generosity formed in us. Because it's not just an action, and it doesn't come out of our wealth or excess. But generosity includes everything. Emerges from all we have to live on. And, And passages like this, you know, as beautiful and inspiring as they can be, you know, can also be problematic if they're not handled in a way that's congruent with the broader narrative of the scriptures. You know, ironically, passages like we just read can be used for the very thing that Jesus was so mad about in Mark 12, to extract more from those who already feel like they're just hanging on, you know, to do more, to give more, to be more, as if that's the thing that will make God happy. If only the scriptures could give us some guidance on what it could look like to live into a generosity that comes from all we have to live on, but in a way that's reflective of God's mercy and compassion and walking with us through all the things and in all the different seasons of our lives, if only. Go ahead and turn and tap your way to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This passage will take us into our landing point and really what was on my heart to share today. Uh, that this kind of whole self generosity is actually born out of trust. It's, it's the fruit of a deep connection with the Father that's guided by the Spirit. And it's for our good, too. You see, Paul writes this letter most likely while he was traveling around raising funds for the church in Jerusalem. As something we catch wind of in several of his letters, it, it was really important to him. He was raising funds for a mostly Jewish congregation by visiting mostly Gentile congregations. It was a beautiful picture of the expanding family of God and a significant point of inclusion for the Gentile believers, many of whom were facing real difficulty, like, and at times outright persecution for their faith. And Paul, Paul highlights the church, the community of believers in Macedonia, as an example for the church in Corinth to follow. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Here's our thread again. You know, same as with the widow. Poverty and generosity mashed together But did you hear that phrase, overflowing joy? In the midst of severe trial, in the midst of extreme poverty, overflowing joy. See, there's something else going on here. Listen to this observation that Paul makes, continuing in verse 3. 
For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Listen to the ordering there. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. This is how God forms the character of generosity in us. When we entrust our whole selves to him. When we say, God, this is where I'm at. (laughs) This is what I've got. Lead me in how you want me to use it. And I will trust that you will give me what I need to do so. The Macedonian churches gave themselves, entrusted themselves to God first. And from that place, God led them into an expression of generosity that was surprising, that was sacrificial, but that welled up in them from a place of overflowing joy. Look, look, if I'm Paul, I'm looking at these churches and going, severe trial and extreme poverty, not asking them for any money, got zero expectations. And that opens us up, I think, uh, how this passage challenges the way that we think about generosity. Uh, which is to start from our perception of our own limitations. You know, here's what I can do and here's what I can't do. Uh, Honestly, sometimes for me, it's here's what I'm willing to do. uh, Here's what I'm not willing to do. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I don't want to do. And and look at boundaries, you know, around giving, uh, how we give ourselves around whole self generosity, you know, not just our finances, but our time, our focus, our energy, our bandwidth are really good and important to have. And I don't want to blow any of those up today unless they're different than the ones that God wants to set for us. The Macedonian churches entrusted themselves to God first. And then God led them into something that I bet if they were trying to decide on their own, you know, based on how things were going, based on what they had or didn't have, they probably wouldn't have done. You know, and if I was them, I wouldn't have done it either. But rather than set the limits ourselves, God's generosity forms in us when we ask him to set the limits instead. That's why generosity is actually an invitation into a spiritual life. Why Highway Volume 2 is a community deeply connected to the Father. Because generosity isn't some mechanical process with static limits. It's daily discernment. It's an ongoing conversation with God where we hold ourselves open to what God is leading us to do. And the more we live in connection with the Father, the more we know God's heart. And the more we experience God with us in all things, know that God walks with us through all the different seasons of our lives and knows the limitations that we have in each of them. And we can trust Him with that. It was the religious leaders who were trying to extract more from people, and it was Jesus who shredded them from doing so. 
A generosity where God sets the limits doesn't always mean more. Like maybe there are areas in your life where God is saying, I didn't ask you for this. I didn't ask you to give yourself in that way. But maybe there are areas in your life where God is saying, I know you don't feel like you have enough. But this is what I'm asking. Trust me that I will meet you with what you need. I've got two questions for us this morning. Where is God inviting you to trust him? To entrust your whole self to him? I'm convinced that it's in the places where we live in real trust that God will give us what we need and that we live in the freedom to be generous. It's when we trust God with our whole selves that we become generous with our whole selves. Where is God inviting you to trust him? And where is God inviting you to let him reset your limits? To let him shepherd and guide you like whether that's into something uncomfortably more into an act of faith or whether that's to lead you beside quiet waters and to lie down in green pastures, to rest, which can be an act of faith too. I'm struck by the power of generosity expressed in community. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And we see that here in 2 Corinthians, but I want to take us back to Mark 12. Uh, to this widow putting in these two small coins that were all she had to live on. As he built into the way of life, God called the Jewish people to live, uh, was to set aside resources to care for, to provide for the vulnerable in their community, the orphan, the foreigner, and the widow. What if her community was doing that very thing? And what if in being faithful to the way that God had led them to give this widow's community was empowering her to live out the generous heart that God had formed in her in a way that was so beautiful. Jesus called his disciples over and said, watch this. And that we're still talking about a couple of thousand years later. Like that's the kind of community we want to be. A generous community. One where God's character of generosity is written on our hearts and leads us in the ways we give. As we close this morning, I want to extend an invitation. And that's to sign up for our community response team. And you know, sometimes the most powerful acts of generosity come in the everyday moments. And that's really what this team is for. It's a database of folks willing to be available to meet various needs that come up through our community. And we have sub-teams around all sorts of different needs that come up, whether that's help with errands or meals, or even folks who are willing to help respond to urgent financial needs, you know, that unforeseen life circumstances can so easily create. If you head to highway.org, you know, right on the homepage, if you scroll down, you'll see a link to more information and a list of all of the teams that exist. You can sign up for as many teams as you want. And we have separate lists for each need type. By signing up, you're essentially saying, I'm willing to be contacted if a need like this comes up. Here's how it works. If someone's having surgery, 
and would be blessed by having some meals covered. And you check the meals box. Then you'll get an email presenting the need and the details and asking if you'd be willing to participate. If it works out, great. If not, no big deal. And the hope is that it will for someone else on the list. And that's it. This isn't just a one-way street. If you look at this list and there's a need you have now or in the future, please let us know. And that's a beautiful part of generosity expressed through community. There's generosity given and there's generosity received. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for our time together today. God, I pray that you would help us break apart the act of giving from the heart of generosity. God, that you would be drawing us deeper uh, into faith in you. That you would be drawing us deeper into trust in you. God, that you would be showing yourself to us, God, that you would help us know your character, your goodness, your love, your faithfulness, your gentleness, your compassion, your mercy, your tenderness. God, there's no safer place that we can be than in your hands. And God, I, I pray that you would give us the courage to place our whole selves there. And instead of trying to figure out, you know, how much we can give, how much we can't give, God, that we would let you make those choices for us. God, that we would be faithful, that we would be faithful to respond. Because you will give us what we need for what you ask us to do. God, would you write generosity on our hearts? Would it be a gift that we give? We love you. We thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in and for your name. Amen.